That right there? That's good music. Cold Little Heart There by Michael Kibanuka from the which is a theme song of Big Little Lies, which is a which was a fantastic HBO miniseries that you really need to see if you haven't yet. Now it's uh, it's weird that the song title is Cold Little Heart because a person that I am going to be speaking to uh, is Jessica Pierce, uh, this amazing individual who's been buying homes for Melbourne's homeless. Jessica, thank you so much for speaking to me this afternoon. How, how are you doing? Oh, very well, thank you. Thanks Excellent. for having me on the show. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's my pleasure, really. Now, I've sort of been um, introducing you, and it sounds like a superhero tag, really, a uh, woman buying homes for the, the homeless, really. And it should be. It really should be a, a superhero tag. But um, that's essentially what you have been doing, to put it simply, is uh, you've literally purchased four homes that you have converted into, um, you know, living, proper living spaces for homeless people. Now, I suppose, let's start at the very beginning. How did this come to be? Um, Well, my partner and I had um, booked some accommodation in the city over Christmas and New Year uh, at the end of last year. And um, I actually had no idea how many homeless people were in Melbourne. I've I've travelled a lot overseas and I've seen homeless people in different locations around the world but it came as an absolute shock that um, there were so many homeless people in, in my own home city yeah. um, and we uh, walked the streets from about 1 till 3 in the morning and, and talked to lots of the homeless people and, and gave money and um, one particular gentleman who was sleeping on the steps diagonally opposite Flinders Street Station really affected me because he um, was a father of, a, of an, about an 18-month or two-year-old and, and a three-year-old. Uh, so he had two little children and um, due to, to mental health issues and drug issues with the mother of the children, he'd found himself in a position where he'd had to escape um, the family home for the children's safety mm-hmm. and then subsequently found himself without anywhere to take the kids. So... Um, yeah, we, we brought him back to our hotel for a couple of days and then the family stayed in a, um, a motel in uh, Bell Street in Preston for about a month. And <clears throat> subsequently to that, I kept in touch with him and um, we were about to buy an investment property uh, somewhere in Baldwin or Surrey Hills, uh, which is where we live. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously the prices in this area are quite expensive. Yes. Um, you know, a little two-bedroom unit we were looking at was about $1.3, $1.4 million. Um, and I started to think there was a better way that I could spend the money. <laughs> um, and I guess we're fortunate we've mm. um, got a family-owned company that my partner started some 35 years ago and, and we've got quite a successful um, business. Mm-hmm. I've got <clears throat> four children myself that are doing very well. They're on scholarships at, at one of Melbourne's top private schools and we value education and we value family and um, my children have had such a fortunate <clears throat> sorry, excuse no, me yeah. uh, fortunate life themselves that mm. it just really affected me knowing that these other children were going to be disadvantaged, not through any fault of their own, but through 
the circumstances. circumstances. Yep. Yeah, that their parents found them in, and I thought maybe we could do something. And it turned out that this um, gentleman's brother lived out in Lara, which is near Geelong. Mm-hmm. And we drove out there one weekend to have a look at um, the properties, hoping that we could perhaps purchase something that would give that family some stability. Yes. And, uh, yeah, well, I came home having bought two properties at auction <laughs> that day. <laughs> so you um, went in with the intention of just buying the one property to help? Well, actually, I actually just went with the intention of having a look. Okay. Um, <laughs> right. okay. I, I hadn't actually seen any of the properties. Right, okay. Um, I just had a look online and, and discovered that the homes in that area were quite affordable. Yes. Um, and... I had decided at that point, I think, or I'd been sort of stewing in my mind that the money could be better spent rather than buying an investment um, for ourselves, yes. um, that we could help some, some people that were in need. Mm-hmm. And so consequently, we um, we purchased two properties that day and another two um, well, during the same week. Right. Um, uh, in areas that I researched where there was a need. That's right. I've since learnt a lot more mm-hmm. over the last few months and, and it seems that there's a need almost everywhere. Everywhere. So you um, brought properties in Lara, Corio, Morville and Mowi so far, is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. So I chose Mowi and Morwell because um, the power station's closed down. There's a lot of um, industry mm. that's closed down. There's, there's certainly a need there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to support people from the regions um, where I purchased the properties. I didn't want to suggest displacing anyone. I've been spending Friday evenings in the city um, helping various different groups that support homeless people, whether it's um, providing meals or providing blankets or providing clothing, um, either in designated locations or often just wandering around the streets and and talking to individual people. And one of the things I've learnt most is that and certainly in the CBD, homeless people develop their own sort of small community or safety network. Yes. And, um, you know, some, you know, there was a group of young men that were squatting together in a house. And it was, well, actually it wasn't a house. It was um, sort of under a railway bridge, but they'd set it up like their home. Yes. Um, and then one by one, as they were offered some government housing, they found themselves you know, sent to different regions, um, little tiny studio places where they were isolated and suddenly they'd lost their family and lost their support network. Mm. Mm. Um, And as much as, you know, it's one thing putting a roof over somebody's head, usually there's a lot of other issues that that lead them to be in that position in the first place. Um, So, yeah, one of the things I've learned is displacing people is certainly not usually... um, on the path to having a positive long-term outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, the young men were telling me that one of them had been given a place, but five or six nights a week he still came back to the squat because... <laughs> That's that, what that he was, was familiar with, yeah. Well, it was his support network That's because right. he had some mental health issues, mm-hmm. you know, basically going into a little murky studio apartment in commission housing was almost so depressing in itself that all the demons in his mind would come back and haunt him. Yeah. Whereas being with his friends, where if he was having a bad moment, there was someone to support him, it was safer in a way. Mm. Um, now, since then, actually, a group of those uh, men have uh, 
managed to get a share house down in Elwood. So they've been incredibly fortunate. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, being close together. And so with the four houses that that you own that you sort of assist families with, now I know recently I I read a story, um, not sure um, when it was, but you helped a couple in Geelong who just recently found themselves homeless. Now, how do you, um, how do you choose the people or, you know, do they come to you? How, what's that? process like and then once um, a family individuals once they're chosen to be housed what length of time um, can they stay so what's the turnover like at what point uh, are they are they encouraged to uh, move out once they've sort of found themselves in a better position how does that process work yeah at the moment it's been um, very much a learning experience for Mm. me because it's just me doing this and and driving it Um, I have managed to connect with a fantastic support service down in the Maui Morewell region called Quantum. Mm-hmm. So going forward, any properties that I'll purchase in that region or if either of the houses I have there um, become available again, I would actually um, link in with this service provider because they've got about 115 staff and they manage everything from domestic violence to yep. babies that are born drug dependent to people with mental health issues, all sorts of things. And they offer a real mentoring support service um, above and beyond just providing a roof for somebody. Yeah. So they're looking at really long-term positive outcomes. Yeah. What's happened so far for me was I set up a um, Facebook page called Helping Homeless. Okay. And as a consequence of setting up the page, um, I had uh, an ability to update people with what I was actually doing at any particular time. Yes. And from there, I've been contacted by various people, um, either directly that need support or that are aware of others that need support. Mm-hmm. Um, also, out in Geelong, I've had the Selvos um, connect with me and contact me um, a number of times to see if I have rooms available. Right, okay. So what I've done is um, I've been fortunate so far that the people that have asked for housing, I've had ability to provide housing for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I've now had some people that... Um, the houses are full and I haven't been able to assist them but I've been able to connect them with services that, that could that can yes yeah um, although often there's an, a wait time and often it's not an easy path to secure housing mm-hmm. um, so what's happened so far is we had a young couple uh, come and have a look at the house in Maui because mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah the one in Maui um, it's quite a small home mm-hmm. and um so they've got an eight-month-old baby and they've moved into that property. Uh, because that property was quite cheap, I was happy to offer that as a long-term solution. Right. Um, so depending on exactly the type of property, that property is only a small one-bedroom house on a large block of land right. um, with potential to put other dwellings on it in the future. But for now, because it's a small home and mm. we had a working bee and the local community were incredible they came out and you know the house went from empty and unclean to spotless and fully furnished in a day it was amazing um so they're utilizing that property and there's um another person um that they actually know that's staying in the caravan on that site that was Mm -hmm. donated by um a member of the public from ballarat Mm -hmm. and uh out in carayo we have um a single mum with a young child and we have two other single adults uh, living in a share house arrangement. Mm -hmm. Um, And then in Lara, we have uh, another single mum with a child 
and a single person and then we actually have a whole family living there as well. Yes. Um, now we've already had <coughs> two people <coughs> move on from the property mm-hmm. so they've moved in and stayed for um, a period of time only you know two or three weeks in each instance mm-hmm. um, and that was all they really needed to organise to have bond um, and to secure a private rental. Yes. So it really depends on what their need is. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the arrangement I've had is basically when anyone's moved in the first two or three weeks, they've not paid any rent. They've had an opportunity to um, settle in and and organise themselves again. Um, we've had a discussion about what is actually affordable. So on all of the properties, I've insured the building, insured the content. Yes. Um, put public liability insurance in mm-hmm. place, put in um, a home site assist program so you get eight call-outs per year yes. for tradespeople. It's wow. included. Mm-hmm. Electricity, gas, water. Um, so everything's included. And then I've charged a very affordable um, basic rate. Living so expenses, that, basically. I mean, just upkeep, I suppose. you. you... <laughs> well, just so that people feel ownership of their of space. Course. Yes. Um, yeah, so obviously I'm covering the shortfall, which mm. I'm, I'm more than prepared to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some cases, people have been there for a number of weeks and are not and have not paid um, <clears throat> any rent at all because mm. their circumstances are such that they still need a bit more time to, um, you know, pay off some debts or organise themselves so that um, long term it's a, a sustainable outcome. Yep, that's right. Uh, Jessica, the, the more I hear you talk, I mean, it's quite amazing. And I keep thinking, um, you, you have a family of four, and uh, you, you know, we've discussed this before, you yourself, you do have a successful family business, which does um, enable you to do this. But um, nevertheless, a lot of us might have businesses and things, but often we, we are limited by, um, you know, what we believe we can do, or because we just are too afraid to put ourselves out there because it just seems too much of a financial risk, too much of a personal risk. And you have four, you know, young children and a partner. So you have uh, those issues, you know, the the normal issues of running a home, running a business, um, and then the added issue of looking after four homes. And because you haven't outsourced it, so it's not like there's a real estate agent coming in and making sure the place is fine. You, you're you doing all of this on your own. Straddling all of this, it, it cannot uh, be easy on any given day. <laughs> so how do you manage to sound so calm is what well, I want I, I to joke know. That I, I joke that I just don't sleep. Yes. Um, okay, right. Which is, okay. has a little bit of truth to it. Okay, and, um, fair enough. Well, I've been I've been fortunate that I'm one of those people that actually doesn't need a whole lot of sleep, so I do manage to fit a fair bit into my I, I don't know whether that's really the, the best option here, but, <laughs> you know, if it works for you, that's great, but, you know, uh, but, but really, I've yeah. Been, um, I've been fortunate at the house in Geelong that um, one of the houses, uh, a lovely gentleman moved into one of the properties. Yep. And, um, in fact, he uh, came down and worked full-time for a week for us at, at our factories. Yes. Um, obviously, the drive from Geelong out to past near Dandenong is, is quite some commute. Yeah. And to his credit, he was there at about 6.30 every morning and, and ready and eager for work. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a gardening business that, um, given the frost and the, and the weather, 
uh, over the this particular year, he, he just dried up work and wasn't earning an income yep. to support himself for a period of time. But what we since decided was, um, he's an incredible worker. We're putting a great big um, a sign at the front of one of the properties advertising his uh, gardening services. And then we'll, um, I've been in contact with the real estate from whom I purchased the properties. And there's a business networking um, meeting group that mm-hmm. meet weekly in Geelong with some thousands of um, members through the online community. Um, so we'll promote his business mm-hmm. and um, and hopefully um, he can... Well, he's already started to pick up some work, so hopefully, yeah. um, you know, he can support himself that way. But he's been amazing. He's got a youth. Mm-hmm. He's gone around and picked up fridges and washing machines and various things that have been donated. And he's done a lot of the running around for the two houses up there in terms of fully furnishing them and um, you know, assisting with a couple of things that I've needed. So I did have a week where I went to Geelong four days in a row, but mm-hmm. it's a bit of a hectic thing to fit in, um, you know, as you say, with my busy life. Yes. Um, so he's been great. And um, I guess another true success story that I haven't mentioned that's come out of all this was I um, met a lovely young man who was uh, squatting in a, in a house, in an abandoned commission house in uh, Churchill, Mm-hmm. He had originally hoped to come up and have a look at the potential of staying in the caravan at the house in Maui, but given the lack of public transport in that region and, and the exact location, it would have taken him about four hours and two buses to to manage to get to the house. So I drove down to Churchill and I met him um, in, in this really squalid, um, horrible, um, abandoned commission home that mm-hmm. he had his queen bed made immaculately mm-hmm. and he was um, a well presented young man and was looking after his cat and we had a chat about his circumstances which um, were quite a tragic tale to mm. be honest and and he had this incredibly organised folder with all of his utilities um, from the rental property that he had to move out of and, and the payment plan where he was paying these debts off and he'd been paid his Centrelink money just that morning and, mm-hmm. and he paid, you know, $125 off one bill and $25 off another bill. And and I was I was really touched by um, his responsibility mm-hmm. that whilst he accumulated some debts and actually not through his own doing, they were um, housemates' debts that had left him in a precarious position. Um, so anyway, I went out to my car and, and came back in with my phone and, and started paying these bills for him and they, they didn't add up to a huge amount of money though they, they were you know but he was completely blown away and we had a further chat and I said look you can't stay here I said would you like to come back to Melbourne with me and um anyway he ended up coming back and staying um at a property that we have in Surrey Hills and spending the next day with my teenage daughters at my mother's playing table tennis and he started full-time work um, wow. at our factory on the Monday and he's Fantastic. been working yeah three weeks now and he's a lovely young man. He just he just needed a chance, and he's right. um he's doing a great job. Um, and I think it starts with asking the question, isn't it? Like a lot of us are actually scared to say, you know, can I help or may I help? <laughs> or because some people, as you said, um, there, there's an element of pride here. They perhaps wouldn't want to ask for help, but they wouldn't refuse it if uh, someone was brave enough to actually ask 
the well, question. Well, that's right. It's, yeah. about, it's about showing that level of care and compassion and showing that you're actually interested. Yes. And um, certainly with this young man, it was a massive thing for him. He's, he's never really been out of the region. He's pretty much only been to Melbourne a couple of times. Yeah. Um, for him to, you know, trust a stranger and, and, and pack everything up and and make the decision to come back. Yeah. And I did say to him, I said, look, you'll be exhausted. I said, the first week or two, going from your life, changing everything, being in a new environment, working full time. I said, just take it really easy on yourself. And, and actually, I picked him up each morning and, and drove him in and then took him home again um, for the first uh, week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just so that he had a bit of time to transition. And um, actually, about two or three days ago, we packed his stuff up again. He's moved into a share house just around the corner from the factory with a lovely young lady who's um, got a full-time job herself. That's fantastic. Um, no, that's yeah, right. so, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's actually creating sustainable, positive outcomes, you know, really, outcomes, for, for these people. Yeah. That's right. Now, the, the the one thread that I feel when talking to you is that you do have tremendous empathy uh, for people and their circumstances, and I think that's also born from your past because you found yourself homeless at 17, 16 or 17, and you sort of had to fend for yourself. And I think that makes you a lot more independent and sort of resilient. Um, so I think you, you're you able to then understand where, where people are coming from or what's led them to, to be homeless. Um, also, what I find interesting very quickly just to, to discuss is you find, I think, maybe it's not a precarious position at all, but in this interesting position where you're now, uh, because of your successful business, um, you find yourself straddling two worlds, as it were. So on the one hand, you are directly and every day in touch with people whose circumstances are quite dire, that they have to be on the streets. But on the other hand, uh, I'm sure you're also, um, you know, privy to people from very very privileged uh, backgrounds, you know. So how how, how does that? Uh, how do you find yourself sort of navigating that social, you know, the the social structures there and trying to sort of, you know, it, it, I suppose it can get a little testy at times. Do you find yourself getting annoyed by your first world problems? You know, how does that work for you? I find it disappointing that people that are in positions of um, power or, or affluence. Um, don't reach out more to the community because I have this thing I say that if all of us that had a little bit more gave just a little bit to those that had a little bit less, uh, we'd all be so much richer for it. And and I really think that um, as a society, if we were to, to come together and look at some of these issues, um, we could actually solve a lot of things ourselves without government intervention and without you know any real... Um, disadvantage personally because mm-hmm. um, you know helping others is incredibly rewarding mm-hmm. um, and I guess you know I grew up in St Kilda my parents um, had friends come from overseas that stayed with us we had a bit of a an open house so I had a, a sudden friend in grade four where we both went off to primary school together and, and his parents lived with us for about a year and Growing up in St Kilda it's an incredibly mixed demographic mm-hmm. so you've got affluent people and you've got um, you know, people from uh, much poorer circumstances. And my parents certainly weren't um, at the affluent end of things. We, um, I think we lived off 8 and $10 a day for a period of time so they could scrape together a deposit for a house. Yes. And, you know, I had a job at the local greengrocer from, from 10. Mm. I was working two nights a week after school and, and squashing down the cardboard boxes on the weekend. Um, so I remember having a jar of IOU checks because mum used to... Um, 
have to use the money that I don't to pay for our groceries. Mm-hmm. So we we certainly, I certainly didn't come from um, any sort of money. And, mm-hmm. and also with the business that, that um, we have, it's actually my partner's company. So whilst um, uh, I, I am now the CEO of the business and, and run the company, um, you know, I just take a salary from it. I don't personally um, benefit from Financial the success of the business. Yep. That's right. Yeah. yeah so right. this is really a decision um, that that I've made um, personally, and of course he's incredibly supportive and, and proud of what um, I'm doing. And he's accompanied me out to the house at you know midnight when something's gone wrong with a pipe or something like mm-hmm. that. He's come out for a drive so we can we can check things and fix things. But um, yeah, I think, yeah, certainly back to what, what you said, we do straddle two worlds because, um, you know, due to our business, we've got about 80 staff in Melbourne and about 30 in Sydney. And it's a, it's a reasonable sized company. So we are mixing with, um, you know, different sorts of people. But I think that's kind of one of the exciting things in life is to meet all sorts of interesting people <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's a, you develop more as a person when the more you're exposed to different things, I think. Absolutely, absolutely. And and this um, this issue of homelessness, you know, I, I still, the, the frustration that this is still um, an issue, you know, every winter, everyone sort of gets uh, very excited and start talking about the fact that, you know, around 200,000, and I believe that may be a concert, conservative estimate, um, people are homeless, you know, in the middle of, of winter in this country. And I read a report recently that's saying that, um, you know, the government um, sort of is forecasting um, a budget surplus of around $7 billion, um, in 2020-2021. Now, that surplus could come down quite drastically because they're uh, using a lot of that money for infrastructure and that's all fantastic but uh, you know we are a well-to-do country you know we're, we're, we're well-to-do yeah, we're, we're incredibly incredibly well-to-do and in the in the grand scheme of things we've got 22 million people 200,000 people homeless it, it, the numbers don't match up you know there shouldn't be anyone homeless there and shouldn't be anybody homeless. there shouldn't be and the cost of it's, it's been proven that the cost of housing someone actually reduces the overall cost of that individual because they don't have the associated medical issues, yeah. mental health issues, um, depressions, um, ongoing risk of not reintegrating to society, all yeah. of those sorts of factors. Yeah. And the other thing I discovered is um, certainly at the houses, uh, properties I bought in Maui or Morwell, for example, in, in Morwell I bought a two-bedroom apartment exactly the same as the two-bedroom apartment I have in Surrey Hills. It cost seventy-eight thousand dollars, so the stamp duty was only two thousand dollars. Right. Yep. If you take into account the body corporate, the rates, the insurance, repairs and maintenance allowance, the interest on the loan, all of those factors, that property only costs ninety-five dollars a week. Right. There you go. So that's forty-seven dollars fifty per person if two individuals were to take a room each in that mm-hmm. apartment. Mm-hmm. So you can not only you can purchase that property and and provide housing for forever and end up with an asset at a very low cost. Yes. Um, so why the government isn't putting their foot out and, and making changes, whether it's building, developing, whether it's um, preventing homes sitting there empty, um, better utilisation of funds, there's all sorts of 
measures that they have can at their disposal. Take, really. Can't yeah, take. absolutely. No, and, and I know it sounds, you know, righteous indignation aside, when I'm guilty of that all the time, but, you know, it, it just boggles my mind, really, uh, quite often. And as idealistic as it might sound, you know, and I'm sure there are so many other uh, issues at hand that, that can't be erased as to why people are homeless, you know, sometimes it's not necessarily, um, you know, sometimes it's a choice with some people. I, th- I think they, they probably don't feel that they want to be fettered to a conventional style of living. But for the vast majority, I have a feeling that it is purely um, out of their hands, you know. And You're, I, you're right. Look, having spoken to, um, you know, dozens and dozens of homeless people um, in Melbourne and also regionally, there's usually a backstory. Mm. There is usually a reason why. And yeah. it's easy to turn your nose up and say, oh, you know, look at the drug addict on the side of the yep. road. But if you talk to that person and you discover that as a child they were thrown from foster home to foster home and that they were abused and, and you hear their actual life tale, yes, then you can immediately sympathise and understand that they're not there through their own choice. That's they, right. they didn't decide that they wanted to be in this position um even taking the drugs they're not and people can say oh well if you've got no money you know why are you spending it on drugs and that sort of thing but if your reality is so bad that you choose to take drugs to to numb yourself so you don't have to think about what horrible things have happened and all those sorts of things then then there is a reason and i think it's about taking the time and actually hearing people's stories and most often they're actually just normal regular people that have had a bit of a bad luck or something something's just happened to them where they couldn't quite cope and they didn't really know who to ask and like you said before they've had too much pride to to call friends or family or maybe the people they know aren't in a position where they could help either yeah and it and it can take such a small um amount of money to actually get someone there on their feet if somebody still wants to be a part of society and wants to um, live in a home. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a simple matter of getting the bond and rent together, yep. um, and then helping them furnish that home, and they can hit the ground running. Because if someone sits down and explains to them about managing their money and budgeting and how to shop and what to cook and and that sort of thing, and that's another thing I put up on that helping homeless page. Mm-hmm. Um, we we live a pretty humble life, mm-hmm. you know. I mean. On one hand, you know, we'll have international trips and we'll be at conferences and, and that sort of thing. But our day-to-day life, you know, my partner's done half a million Ks in his car. Uh, we live in a little two-bedroom plus study place. My kids share mm. bedrooms. Mm-hmm. I shop at the market. We cook at home. We have this very simple um, life. And so I started putting up um, photos of the different um, meals as mm. I prepared them so that people... Because sometimes people just don't know. They just have not been raised in a family where they've been shown how to cook healthy delicious food that's a better option a better option yeah that's right yeah yeah yeah. so it's about educating as well Mm -hmm. it's about um you know like the lady um well two of the ladies that have come into the houses the single mums that have moved in they just didn't know you know and and you know or they're talking about you know putting the kid down and having macca's meal or (laughs) something and And that actually isn't an affordable and healthy option. No, it's not. But if if nobody's shown you how to cook, and and there's a few basic things. You need a really good sharp knife. You Mm. need a really good veggie peeler. Yes. You need some tools that actually enable you to do these jobs easily. Because I've gone and stayed in caravan parks, and Mm. if you haven't got a decent 
knife and you're trying to cut up a pumpkin or something, it's, you know, it's hard work. <laughs> it work. No, that's right. No, Jessica, truly, this has been fantastic. You know, I just want to know, unfortunately, we, we, I have to, uh, you know, um, go into another song. But um, I just want to wish you the very, very best. And I know that the sort of person that you are, you know, you, you're not going to just stop. And you've managed to do uh, so much in such a short period of time so if someone wants to actually help now one thing is to go to your facebook page which is helping homeless helping the homeless um is there any other way that they can reach out to you to actually help um well i've got a mobile number that people are texting Mm -hmm. um and then i always get back to people so that's uh zero four seven eight yes eight double three eight double three and then 833 again. 833, okay. So they can either text you or they can reach you through the Facebook page, isn't it? Yeah, and it's just the two words, helping homeless. Homeless, yep, that's right. So uh, I think that's really what it is. Uh, anyone can help in any little way. I don't think everyone, uh, it's rare to find someone. I don't know of anyone else. I'm sure there probably is, but I don't know of anyone who's actually doing this, buying homes and converting them into homes for the homeless. Uh, but it, it could be the next big thing. You know, like orange is the new black, you know, black is the new black. This could be well, it. Well, I, I was reading an article where um, uh, there's a whole town that actually got rid of their homeless situation. There are about 40 homeless people in the community mm-hmm. um, by sharing a backyard. Yep. And, and people were putting, um, even if it was just a tent or even if it yep. was an old caravan or something like that. And the whole community got together. They rallied together and they decided to do this um you know, as a community yeah. venture, yeah. with incredibly positive outcomes, and you know, so it is it, possible. It is, it is possible. Absolutely, that's I mean, right. The positive outcome of changing someone's life and giving them a chance at a better future—it's—it's it's absolutely worth. Um, taking a chance and doing that. Excellent. Jessica, thank you so much for your time. I know that your your everyday, um, you know, it's chock-a-block. You have a <laughs> lot going on. So I really appreciate the fact that you've taken the time, you know, and I wish you all the very best. And I yes. hope to Thanks. keep in touch <laughs> to find out, you know, if you've sort of built your own little community. Who knows? Five years down the track, you might have your own little suburb, you know, of houses that you've purchased and everyone just living there uh, in a happy commune, you know. that That's what I hope. <laughs> that this just well, goes it from... sounds wonderful. It sounds fantastic. That's exactly right. You know, thank you uh, again. I wish you all the very best. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Excellent. Have a great afternoon. That was Jessica Pierce. To find out more about how you can help or you've just interested in the work she does, you know, go to Helping Homeless. That's her Facebook page. Or send her a text on 0478 You're listening to 3MDR. This is 97.1 FM. Coming up shortly will be Catherine Holder talking about her great work, Asylum.